0: everyone and welcome. Today's discussion is about understanding the stages of growth government contracting firms go through and the most important business practices that help propel those companies forward. To help me sort through these issues, I reached out to Vernay Jones-Seals, the CEO of OneSource. Welcome Vernay.
1: Thank you Sherwin, and I thank you for the opportunity
0: Renee, we only briefly introduced you, please tell our audience a little more about you and OneSource.
1: Absolutely. I was very blessed to grow up in a family of intelligent women and men. Many of those family members were gifted in mathematics and business and entrepreneurship. My grandfather, father, mother, all had a role in a family business. And it was interesting that my grandfather had very little formal education but was highly intelligent and actually owned and operated a lumber company in the mid to late 60s. As a child, I was really fascinated with the big brown leather chair in his office and the calculator at the desk. (laughs) And I believe that was the beginning of my love for numbers and for business. While I was inspired by the family business and all the innovation and sheer grit and determination it took to start and run a business, I lived to experience firsthand the impact of the lack of strategic and succession planning and what impact that has on a business and a family. So my exposure uh, and desire to learn about business and finances led me to pursue a um, dual degree in accounting and finance, and later to pursue my MBA. This vision um, was to start a business to help other businesses, other owners, employees, and ultimately communities that these companies serve. I was very fortunate to see this come to fruition in 2002 and start OneSource Consulting. OneSource is a management and technology consulting firm. We provide these services to private companies, commercial companies, and federal, state, and local agencies. Our unique team consists of several CPAs, MBAs, change management professionals, project management, and technology professionals. Our purpose is to help clients From crafting their story of their vision to building an operational model and infrastructure to support all aspects of their business life cycle.
0: Thank you, Vernet. What you do dovetails nicely with what we do at Scale to Market, which focuses on federal business development planning and practices. Let's first define the three stages of a company's life cycle as startup, expansion and growth, and exit. Why is it important for CEOs and their teams to tune into their company's whole life cycle?
1: Shirley, in my experience, successful companies take an integrated approach to business strategies, financial management, and technology solutions, applying a holistic perspective, first understanding where they are in their business life cycle, which is critical to developing a path forward. But in essence, what I always share with others is start with the end in mind. Plan your personal extra strategy while continuing to grow the business. As it relates to strategic planning, uh, looking back three years and planning forward three years are important in terms of evaluating and developing strategic goals and objectives. And we define these strategic goals and objectives with our clients along with a strategic roadmap that includes business development, marketing, human resources, financial and technology management, CEOs must learn how to apply cause-and-effect scenarios that will allow them to remain agile and responsive to the changes in the marketplace, technology, and people.
0: Now, the startup phase, in my opinion, is the hardest stage and is the stage in which statistically most businesses fail. How do you define a business that is in the startup mode, and what are the most critical elements that must be in place to succeed?
1: Most often than not, entrepreneurs combine the development stage and startup phase. This is where we see that businesses will lack strategic alignment with the appropriate infrastructure and sustainability and growth, which are often indicators of what we call a startup loop. Uh, so really focusing in early on whether you're in the developmental process of the business or you're truly in the startup. You have launched a business, you've defined your vision, and you're moving the company forward. This startup loop happens primarily because the development stage was not fully vetted before proceeding to the startup stage. In addition, often in the startup stage, the focus is on survival versus strategic planning and growth.
0: So in the earliest stage of a startup is ideation. What should entrepreneurs contemplate in this critical stage? The first
1: thing is that you can build a business from any idea. And I'll give you an example of what ideation looks like. The startup is the stage statistically where most businesses fail because of the lack of patience with the process of building and aligning their vision with the proper infrastructure and resources. So it's a concept of you pay now or pay later. So getting the knowledge and the resources in place to launch the business and really be able to see the business three to five years out is really important. This allows the entrepreneur the opportunity to gain enough knowledge and resources to launch, but not enough to position the company for growth. These companies end up back to address critical issues that are causing them to stall. This costs them more time and money on the back end.
0: So, how do you measure success in the startup phase?
1: I feel that success is really different for each company. Uh, we recommend that every company, a founder of a company, really understand what that North Star is at the launch of the business and that they periodically monitor that with key metrics that are more focused on uh, the market penetration or profitability. But then they need to develop a team that is prepared to expand the business and accept the responsibilities and the accountability for results. So working as a team to define those short-term goals and what success will look like, it is important to remember that the success journey is like running a marathon with built-in sprints. And so you're preparing for the long haul, but really stopping along the way to recalibrate and redefine in terms of have you hit those milestones at those check-in points. But keep in mind, we should all celebrate the short wins along the way.
0: Yes, I agree. So that's the what. Let's talk about how. What approach can companies in the startup phase use to achieve those goals?
1: We think it's important to engage many of the stakeholders that will be involved to identify and have a different perspective on what these challenges will be and what potential solutions are. So we suggest a three-step iterative process during this startup stage. It involves re-evaluating the business needs, realigning the vision based on market indicators, and resetting resources to meet the business objectives.
0: I would agree. You know, small companies desiring to do federal contracting have a number of free resources available to them, such as the SBDCs and the PTACs. While these services can be very informative to small businesses that are brand new to federal contracting, the advice that they give is all the same. And it is from the government's perspective on how the government procures products and services. And while that's informative, What they don't tell you, what they don't tell a business is what strategies will be most effective for them, how to position their companies in the marketplace relative to competitors, or how to organize their business for success. When I work with small businesses who have exhausted these free resources and are ready for more, I focus on being data-driven and to carve out a niche for themselves in this very complex, highly competitive federal market. What advice do you give companies at this stage in terms of their operations?
1: I agree with you, Shirley. Each business is unique, and the advice um, that is given and the resources that are available is pretty standard across the board. So It's up to the owner to really step back and take a look at their organization and understand who they are and why they're in business, understanding how the advice that they're being given really fits them, or in some cases, perhaps it doesn't. So The companies should take time to fully vet a business or strategic plan. This planning process will help position their company for growth. It will also inform all stakeholders of potential risks. Developing an operational plan that includes sales, marketing, HR, and IT, and how that is all integrated uh, is extremely important. And this plan would also include where you're going and how you're going to get there. What are the desired outcomes? And to your point regarding the data, obviously coming from an accounting and financial background, I love the numbers. I always say that the numbers tell a story. Uh, And that story is really up to the business owners to write their own story. But having a benchmark in understanding the market and the trends that are in the market so that you can develop different KPIs and reporting for monitoring and controlling, which is really important when you're trying to measure your competitiveness in the marketplace.
0: So we're talking about key performance indicators when you say KPI, right?
1: That's correct, those key performance indicators. And, you know, it's interesting that they're named key performance indicators, and it really is designed to revisit this on a regular basis to really identify the uniqueness of the organization, but what's key in terms of how you perform against the market. And what would you change back to the you know resetting and, and reevaluating, recalibrating? By looking at this monthly, you're having the opportunity to evaluate potential changes.
0: So what key performance indicators do you recommend for these early-stage companies?
1: You know, I think it's a misnomer that it's not perhaps even necessary at the early stages, but it's just as important at the early stage as it is doing growth and latter stages in the business. I think the top line key performance indicators that we're all accustomed to looking at is is where our sales and revenues are. Um, But just as importantly is understanding how we're getting to our gross margin, how we're getting to our net profit. There are tools that are available, uh, certainly with different uh, accounting applications, affordable applications, where there are dashboards in place where you can monitor those key performance indicators, and also tracking your cash and tracking your receivables and your payables. It's going beyond just managing the business and can we pay the bills and uh, have we received the funds from our clients? How are we performing on a profit and loss?
0: So um, what have you seen in terms of firms pivoting and surviving during this downturn?
1: I have seen companies really now stepping back to plan. And that first stage of that is evaluating where they are. How do we get here? We're in a very interesting situation now because we're balancing an economic downturn along with a health uh, crisis. And we're helping companies step back to evaluate uh, where they are today, and where they were positioned uh, pre-COVID, where they are in terms of funding they may have received, doing this downturn, and how would they come out of this? Are they going to be different? How are they going to look different? What's different in terms of their buying power, uh, in terms of their customers? Pricing. Clients are certainly looking for our business owners to be much more competitive in their pricing. Who are our competitors now? With technology and innovation, there are times where companies are being leapfrog in terms of their service offerings and their capabilities to serve the current market how are customers substituting their products and services? Is there new competition entering the market who are leveraging technology, whereas perhaps in the past some companies have not leveraged that as well?
0: Yes, I'm finding that uh, companies are being very creative necessarily. Necessity is the mother of invention. (laughs) So we're seeing some pretty creative things happening in the marketplace. So, Verne, you have a very disciplined systematic approach to problem solving. Describe it and explain how businesses in the startup phase can embrace it.
1: We take a very uh, similar approach to um, architects and engineers and problem solving and this is what we call our end-to-end life cycle methodology. It's rooted in design thinking uh, it comes from my early years of working with a 40-year-old design bill firm and really moving through this process of understanding how we apply a solution to a problem and how we work through an iterative process to design that solution. For companies, when they're thinking through the design lens, we're also overlaying that with the business thinking and the systems thinking. And what's interesting is usually this is very siloed. It's not integrated. And so we've taken this methodology and we've applied it across uh, different industries. So this is not just for the A&E firms, but across many different industries. The interesting thing about this approach also is that it's very collaborative. All stakeholders are engaged in every aspect of this process, from evaluating the company's current state to designing the future state in terms of where desired outcomes will be
0: I love it. It's very interesting. So, Renee, I'm going to ask you to give an example of how this methodology was applied to a company in the growth phase. But before we leave the startup phase, I would like to add that companies in this stage of growth must address many, if not all, of the activities that more mature companies address. But they don't have as much time. You know, they have two hours <laughs> to devote to these issues rather than the two months. And of course, their resources are limited. When I work with startup companies, I know that minutes count. They need to know a little about everything, but then focus on the most critical actions, which in my case are those actions that will bring in revenue. And I call this the entrepreneur's playbook. With no revenue, there's no business. So, Vernay, we need to take a break. I'm talking to Verne Jones-Seals, CEO and Managing Principal of OneSource, about the keys to growth at each stage of a company's life cycle. When we come back, we'll be discussing the all-important growth phase. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: This Growth Masters Federal presentation is hosted by Shirley Collier, President and Founder of Scale to Market. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and build market value by developing and executing customized, data-driven business development playbooks, building efficient information systems, and creating high-performing BD teams. Utilizing the proprietary Davy Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to increase their company's value by achieving profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. Email shirley at scollier at scale market.com to learn more about the Davy Growth Framework and how it can be instrumental in helping you grow your federal contracting business. We continue now with today's discussion of the issues and decisions owners must navigate as their companies transition through the various stages from development and startup through the growth years and into succession planning. Shirley's guest today is Vernay Jones Seals, founder and CEO of OneSource, a management, finance, and technology services and consulting firm serving private, public sector, and nonprofit organizations nationwide.
0: Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about developing and executing a growth plan in the startup phase. Let's now discuss the all-important growth phase, which is my favorite. Mm -hmm. How would you describe a government contracting firm that is in the growth phase, and what are the most critical elements that must be in place from an operational perspective?
1: So, Shirley, I think the growth phase is a very interesting phenomenon (laughs) because we really have to think about how do we get here. Right. Um, There is this organic growth that happens in organizations, and it's uh, a natural progression, and we are really caught up in the day to day running the business. Our focus is on increased revenues, new customers, and oftentimes we're lacking the understanding of the infrastructure and the changes that we're going to need in our infrastructure to grow. We are really focused on the revenue, top line revenue, and are we profitable? So we need to start moving now into the plan. And if we already have a plan in place, then deeper into the strategic plan, because surely the market will change shortly. Uh, Even when we're in this growth phase, we will see changes in the market. And so our concern now is how without change impact us. If this growth has been coming organically um, versus being strategically laid out, This natural progression of growth can lead us into pitfalls and cause us to be blindsided. This is where leadership needs to start to look beyond the top line revenue growth. What's the financial risk in terms of the investment that we need to make in this growth stage? And then how are we going to move from growth to succession? So some of the things that we recommend companies should consider, uh, some questions they should ask themselves in this uh, phase is... Do you have a process in place for developing an annual budget? I'm amazed uh, that companies that are extremely successful do not have annual budgets in place. Those budgets allow you to dig deeper into understanding, as I said earlier, the impact, the financial implications of key decisions. Is risk mitigation at the top of your leadership and project management discussions? Um, This is key in terms of trying to put risk controls in place in an organization Do you know your next strategic hire? If you've put together your sales and marketing plan, your budget around this, do you know the skills and expertise that you're looking for and your next key leader and other staff members that are needed throughout the organization? And how will these key business decisions that you're going to be making during this growth stage regarding your sales, marketing, IT, and HR, how is this going to impact your pricing and allow you to remain competitive. So you can see that a growth plan is really about having the right strategy and infrastructure in place to guide leadership and project teams in creating resilience. The goal of having a plan is so that you can use it as a roadmap at every stage in the business life cycle, but especially during this growth stage.
0: It has been my experience that government contracting firms at about 10 to $15 million in annual revenue hit a wall, meaning that the owners are putting in 60 to 80 hours a week, and they have been for years, probably 10, 15 years, and they just can't sustain that effort anymore. It's now time to build infrastructure, hire an executive team, and delegate authority. This is the point at which owners must decide if they really want to grow or if they just want to maintain their businesses.
1: Exactly. And I think this is the point where the owners step back and ask the question, what is the goal? Is the goal to be a $15 million company, a $50 million company? And it's okay to be a $10 million company and be stable as long as the business owners are really true to their plan. The other side of the coin is a $20 million company can be miserable if there is no plan in place. (laughs) So growth is exciting, but it's really deciding who do you want to be as a company, understanding the why you're in the business. It's easy to get caught up in the tailwind during a strong economy and just grow for the sake of growing. But I think it should be sustainable. I think it should be intentional. This is the stage where companies can also start to Mentor their emerging leaders for resiliency and continuity. And this is where I also remind the business owners to get your return on your investment before you even start thinking about selling the business.
0: Yes. Many owners, of course, have trouble actually delegating. They like the concept of delegating, but they don't realize that delegation means delegating authority, not just responsibility.
1: That's correct. And there are so many emerging leaders who are ready to step up and be a part of what makes the company great and what will keep the company competitive.
0: Yes. Can you give us an example of a company that has recently gone through this process?
1: Sure. I will give a composite profile um, of a company, obviously to protect the client's privacy, Let's say we have a seven-year-old IT company that grew from uh, $10 million to the efforts of one single owner, and we see this often. This individual is determined to sustain the company at $10 million by putting in the 60 hours, 80 hours work week. Um, or they can build the infrastructure to push the company to $20 million. So we took this organization and this business owner through a structured problem-solving process that we outlined earlier to clearly define the owner's strength and the exit plan that needed to be developed that would include the financial and operational plan to help them reach this $20 million goal. This plan encompassed what organizational structure was needed the process, the technologies, and most importantly, the financial and time investment that would be needed. And as we began to expand uh, the discussion and really look through this $20 million lens, it became very clear that there would be a need for a future legacy developed. So we, we had to expand the discussion beyond her vision to ensure that she could build a firm for the future but building a legacy yet remaining relevant, creating value for our clients in this changing market and economic climate. And this led to identifying other emerging leaders to join at that level um, to support the growth in the business and not just in numbers, but the, the skills, the expertise, the leadership capability is needed at this point. So this is where we start to integrate strategic and succession planning. So the company is growing. We're defining growth. We're also seeing how sustainable will this be and start to discover there's a need for this next level of leadership.
0: That's great, Vernée. Uh For this same $10 million hypothetical company what we do at Scale to Market, comparable but in a different perspective from what you do, is to build a business development playbook that supports the growth goals of the company. And it's grounded in data procurement trends, procurement forecast, understanding competition, contract vehicles, leveraging teaming partners. But then we develop very specific strategies that leverage the company's strengths and then coach them through the execution of those business development strategies. This inevitably leads to the need to hire the right people who will help their businesses flourish, reach new heights. Founders in in my experience struggle with this decision because they must hire people who possess skills that are different than theirs. I see this all the time, especially with founders who have technical backgrounds like engineering, IT, or cybersecurity. At some point, they must hire business development folks, and most of them dread the thought. I advise them to have a plan, to take control, to know the market, and guide the BD director toward success, rather than sitting back, wringing their hands, and hoping that the BD team will succeed. nay since both of us deal with small federal contractors, I would add that if a company is in the 8A program, don't wait until year 8 to decide what you're going to do after graduation. I recommend that companies develop a strategic business development plan no later than year five for what they will be doing after graduation. Uh, They will most likely still be in the small business set aside category.
1: That is correct, Shirley. And we recommend that this is a time to develop their exit strategy enter the program with a plan in place to exit. So this goes back to developing that business development, that sales and marketing strategy. We are aware that firms re- drastically reduce in their size in their company due to a lack of planning. We've experienced organizations that graduated from the 8A and unfortunately was dissolved later, uh, shortly after they graduated. And you can see how this three-step Process that we outline works again at a different stage in the business life cycle. Your company's strategic plan should reflect uh, what that business continuity will be beyond the eight years, but starting to focus on that before the will stop.
0: I would agree. And for companies that are graduating from the small business set aside program, which is typically around 30 to 35 million. They should be planning for competing in the full and open market, I advise them, at least three years before graduating. In fact, the SBA program now allows allows for a five-year average. So once you start getting into that five-year time frame, knowing that you're probably going to be exiting in five years, you need to have a pretty solid plan for how you're going to compete in the full and open market. So, Renee, let's now talk about the final phase of a company's life cycle, which is maturity or exit. This can be a stage that is just as exciting for the owners as a startup if they played their cards right. So, what are the most critical actions that must be taken at this stage to maximize value for the owners?
1: This is a very exciting stage, especially for those who have planned well and starting to see the return on their investment. Value can be measured from a few different perspectives. Companies that build their value around their people, uh, their infrastructure, whether that's their technologies that they have in place, different systems and tools, and also around the financial performance. We see the biggest return on the sweat equity and years of investment in an organization when owners or senior partners are looking to exit. They keep in mind that change will be involved more than just from a financial model and a financial transaction. It's going to be a transition of leadership and people building towards the legacy. And so it's important to plan for that. We also recommend an initial assessment at this stage to help the exiting partners understand their level of personal readiness. So while we saw earlier in earlier stages, sometimes the challenge is delegating or or letting go, this is the stage where really starting to be ready to truly let go and exit the business. And we find that companies that have developed that team of uh, the next generation have a much smoother transition in terms of their readiness to exit is very important to step back and go through that personal assessment. Determining which exit plan works best for the owner is a huge next step. And there are many types of models and structures, whether it's an internal management buyout, whether it's a private equity deal, or even a possible merger. And we're seeing more and more of these mergers and acquisitions Each option comes with a different level of due diligence. We highly recommend uh, business owners take the time to fully vet these options. All of these options will require business continuity planning, including their services, how will their service offerings continue, business development, will that change, will that look different, Um, how consistent can we keep that throughout the transition. How is that all going to transfer from the business owner who's been involved in this from day one. Pricing will certainly change the financial model. We're starting to move people in different uh, positions and salaries, changes. All of that has an impact uh, from a financial perspective. Owners will need to assist the company and the next generation in terms of how they will pivot and move forward. It's very interesting that at this stage when owners start to exit, sometimes they're ready and they think that their 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 time and expertise will not be needed beyond, you know, filling the, the deal. But they're often retained for a few years after the buyout, whether it's the management buyout or merger.
0: You know, Verne, I was surprised when I sold my first IT company um, because I had a fairly sophisticated CRM and cost accounting system in place. The buyer, who was a competitor at the time, ended up paying a premium for the company. He had confidence in what he was buying, and the bonus was that he was able to convert his company over to the technologies and processes that we had in in place fairly quickly. We were a much smaller company, and I was surprised that this larger company didn't have the discipline, the technologies, and a lot of the processes that had been so important in helping us to grow our business. So I want to go back to the owners are now saying, okay, we, we want to sell our company. What do you typically advise owners to, to do when they say they're ready?
1: Um, As a best practice, companies should plan to have a periodic valuation. At a minimum, run an internal valuation. We understand that this can be very expensive um, in terms of uh, retaining a third party, but having an understanding of of your value of your company is, is important. Most companies are aware of the external valuation to determine what a buyer may be willing to pay for the business. But what is often misunderstood is what's driving the value and the day-to-day operation of the business. We have little control over the economic conditions that can impact the value, but we do have control over contract management, HR, technology, and the financial management of the business. Sometimes companies need to actually invest in putting new and proper infrastructure in place versus actually cutting costs to drive value. This is an interesting concept. We understand it as it relates to our homes, and where we get the best market value for our homes by investing in improvements in our homes and not necessarily cutting the operational expense of of the home and running the home. And it applies very um, much in a similar way to our businesses, right, in terms of driving growth in the business. So this can help drive the value in terms of making those investments in those areas, but understanding where those key areas are where the investment is needed and understanding how the impact of that will drive values. Those internal valuations and looking at the company on a regular basis will help bring that to light.
0: So, Renee, do you have any final comments on this exit stage?
1: Talk about exiting the company. It's okay to prepare for it. It's actually more enjoyable when companies are talking about this with their key leadership team. Some of the readiness kind of checklists, uh, we, we ask our business owners to go through is to, on a personal and financial level, are you ready? Do they feel that the company is financially prepared? And if not, what would we, what do we need to do different in order to to prepare? What does the next tier of leadership look like and what will be different? And is that okay? Not just with the business owner, but with the next generation of leaders. And is the proper infrastructure in place to sustain the business, continue to grow, and certainly to have an impact on the legacy of the company.
0: Verne, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today.
1: Surely it's been my pleasure, and certainly any advice we can share to help business owners is really our purpose in business.
0: I agree. Folks, if you would like to get in touch with Fernay, she can be reached at vjones at onesourcesbc.com. Or you can reach out to us here at Scale to Market, and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, president of Scale to Market and host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now. As we close, I want to thank you for joining us today and encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit our website, that's scale marketcom with the number two in the middle, where you will find our library of podcasts, webcasts, white papers, my blog, and other links and resources. While there, please leave us a comment or suggestion so we can stay focused on what's important to you. We'll see you next time.